Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 56. And I'm going to continue on what I've been dealing with the last couple weeks. On We've been dealing with Back to the Basics since the beginning of September. and uh, But I've been uh, dealing with this aspect of prayer. And uh, so this will be part three and Back to the Basics of Prayer. And... Um, and I've got a couple of different things I want to deposit in our hearts tonight. And um, I want to deal with the, the word intercession. And then I'm going to get into, you know, effective prayer. And in some a key component for effective prayer. And, and so are, are, you, are you ready? Yes. Amen. Uh, now, just to lay a quick foundation, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, you don't need to turn there. But tells us men ought always to pray and not to faint. So prayer should be something that we continue to do. Men ought always to pray. So how often should we pray? You know, these were these were uh, this was a story that Jesus was about, uh, talking about. Really, faith. You're talking about when he returns, will he find faith in the earth? And he starts before he talks about this lady that went to the unjust judge, and he says. Men ought always to pray and to not faint. Ephesians tells us to pray always with all kinds of prayer. You know, and, and I'm not going to have a time to get into all those different types of prayer in the basics. But, but here, this aspect, I really want you to receive the heart of prayer and what sustains a healthy prayer life. I, I mean, I thought Pastor John and Sharon laid so many powerful things with individual prayer as well as corporate prayer. And, you know, prayer is not something that's for um, just, uh, you know, a, a small group of people um, in, in, in a room in the corner of a church somewhere. It's not for just, well, it's the pastor and, you know, pastors pray. No, no, prayer is for the believer. Yes. Men ought always to pray. It's talking about, when he says men there, it's talking about mankind. He's talking about creation. And, and, so, and so a lot of times people think, we don't, take, don't take the responsibility of, well, that's for that person or that's for the minister. No, it's for every one of us. You know, uh, prayer is a responsibility given to every believer, young or old. Prayer should be a lifestyle, not a religious duty. First uh, Thessalonians 5 says, tells us to rejoice evermore. Excuse me, pray, pray without ceasing. Give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. So God's will concerning you is that we should pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we go along all, all day long just kneeling on our knees. No, that just means it's this attitude. It's this constant lifestyle. It's, it's it, while you're driving your car. It's this constant aspect of prayer. And when we looked at the word prayer in the Greek, the word is prosuke. And the root word for prayer is P-R-O-S. And if we can understand that root word, then we can understand that dynamic of prayer. Because that root word means to draw near. It means to fellowship. It means joint partnership. It's to act in one's interest. And so it's about partnership. And so, so when I understand that word, P-R-O-S, the root word, is meaning immediately I have to understand it's not just about me doing something by myself. But it's about me and being in partnership. So understanding prayer is about fellowship with God. It's about communion with God. There's two fundamental reasons on why we pray. Number one is communion with God. Or you can say fellowship. 
or relationship. And number two, it's to get results. Right? We don't, we're not praying just for the sake of, no, we're out to, something to be changed. Something to change in me, something to change through me, something to change in my life, around me, my community. It's, it's not just, it's fellowship, but it's also about getting results. It's about seeing change. So let's look here in Isaiah 56. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Isaiah 56, verse 7. It says, all these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called, my house will be called a house of prayer. My house will be called, will be. It's, it's, it's almost like it's. Not could be, it's not might be, it's, it's God is, is, is speaking to Isaiah and he's prophesying and he is saying, my house will be a house of prayer. Will be, meaning, meaning if I, if he says something, you know, if I say I will be at chapel tomorrow morning, then what I'm saying, I'm stating, I'm stating my determined desire. I'm stating that that I I, I will be there, yeah. and and here God is saying my house will be a house of prayer. So so not only we're seeing something He's prophesying, God's prophesying about something that's going to happen in the future, but as He's prophesying, I'm hearing His heart. Yeah. See, if, if He desires His house to be a house of prayer then it needs to be my desire that this house, this house. Yeah, definitely we have the four walls of the church, but, but this house to be a house of prayer. He wants this house. He wants your house. You know, he, he, you know, it says he doesn't dwell with temples made with hands anymore, but he dwells in men's hearts. So, so, so are you going to be a house of prayer? See, cause that's his desire. That's his desire. And most of the time we're looking for what we desire. I desire this or I desire that. But what does God desire? Because I believe if we take care of what God desires, then we'll step fully into what we desire. Right? Do you see that? And so, so this prayer thing is not just something that we need to put on the side somewhere. But this is the right and the privilege to every believer. And as you heard this past weekend and, and how I communicate the basis of prayer, it is what, it is what is going to bring God's will to pass in the earth. We, we can't be passive church. We can't be passive ecclesia. We have to understand that, that, that it is that this, this mentality that we're just going to sit back and if God's going to do it, then God's going to do it. Whatever will be, will be. If, you know, God's in control. No, God's only in control what we give him control of. And the thing is, is he's given his word, given us his word so we know what, we're, what we have to do. And part of that, that, that will is this life of prayer. Let's go to Isaiah 59. And I want to look at this word before I go into this. Other aspect, I, I want us to look at this word intercession for a moment. 
Isaiah 59, verse 16, it says, And when he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. He saw that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Now, in, you don't need to turn there, but in Ezekiel 22, I think around verse 30, he said, I sought a man. I sought a man. God was seeking a man. If God was God, why doesn't God just do something? But yet he said, I sought a man. I sought a man that would be someone that would stand in the gap. I, I sought a man. And this is Ezekiel, and it's really prophesying to the future, and he's prophesying even to our day, and he's saying he sought a man that would stand in the gap. But it said he couldn't find anyone. Wow. You see, if God was all-powerful, why didn't God just say, well, I'm just going to go down and do something? No, he sought a man. He sought a man. Now, in here, he said, he said in verse 16, and he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that was no intercessor, no one to intervene on behalf of truth and right. Therefore, his own arm brought him victory, and his own righteousness, having the spirit without measure, sustained him. Meaning, what did he have to do? He, ha- he was talking about, I couldn't find any man to do what I needed him to do, so therefore, I had to send Jesus. But even if you look at the sending of Jesus, there was a woman named by Anna and there was a prophet Simeon that prayed night and day for the coming of Jesus. So there was always God looking for someone to bring his will to pass in the earth. He just couldn't do it all by himself. He was looking for an intercessor. Now, now if we look at the word intercession. It's a real spiritual sounding word. And. If you look it up in the Webster's, it means, you know, when you look up in the, in, the, in the dictionary, you look up a word and it actually tells you the word you were just trying to look up. Like if you look up the word intercession, it says the act of interceding. Okay, that really helped me out a lot. <laughs> the act of interceding. Okay, what, what does that mean? The act of interceding. And, and there's uh, th- different things. There's uh, definitions that we know. It's when, it's when someone comes in behalf of and on, in between two parties. And so a lot of us know the basics of what intercession is. And, but I, w- I want us to uh, understand this word a little bit more. Because I just got into studying and was thinking about this aspect of intercession. Because if we're caught, he's looking for an intercessor. What does an intercessor supposed to do? And so I got looking at the word um, in, in the Old Testament and looking at the word in the New Testament. And the word intercession, a lot of times, some of the best ways to understand words and understanding words in the Bible is, is looking at examples in the Bible. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. You know, because if, if we can see how that word is used within the Bible, then I can understand a little bit more dynamic of what that word really, some more Maybe oomph behind that word. Now, there's, there's, there's four different things that I saw looking in the Old Testament at different stories or scriptures. But in the Old Testament, the word intercessor, intercessor is the word pegah, which is P-A-G-A-H. And the initial definition means to impinge by violence. To impinge by violence. Now, Impinge, that's another word. It's like, okay, what does impinge mean? 
Now, the word impinge means to encroach or advance beyond the usual limit. So it means to encroach or advance beyond the usual limit. So, so if I'm an intercessor and I'm interceding for someone, then I'm advancing beyond the usual limit. So intercession immediately is evident, immediately evident is the concept of taking territory. It's about forward movement. It's about pressing into something. So when I talk about, we talk about intercession, it's not just me. Okay. I'm interceding and I'm praying for, for Vic. Oh, help Vic. Lord, Vic is coming, coming across this. No, it's, it's this position that I'm taking that I'm, I'm, I'm advancing something. I'm advancing beyond the usual limits. Now, when we intercede and when I look at this word in the old Testament, it also means to penetrate darkness. It means to shake the spiritual realm. It means to see boundaries of God's kingdom intentions to extend far as they were meant to. Meaning if the kingdom of God was meant to go where Jim Neighbors is back there, that when I intercede, what happens is now I have the force to extend what God's intentions all were along all the time. So the enemy's confronting me to keep me from going there. Intercession is the powerment and the ability to penetrate the darkness to get me to where God intended me to go. It's for me to expand, extend the boundaries, go beyond the usual boundaries, go beyond the obstacles, the limitations, the boundaries that may have been set around me. That's what intercession is. Another <clears throat> word, if we look at a story in, uh, in second, you don't need to turn there, but in second Samuel, it talks about a, um, it talks about this one soldier. His name was Doag, D-O-E-G. And there were certain people, the pre, the, uh, the, the, the king gave certain orders <clears throat> for the Israelites to attack, for the enemy attack to actually, the, for them, the enemy to attack these certain people, but the enemy wouldn't do it. And so, but yet this Doag, he said, I'll do it. And he went out and he, it said he fell upon all the priests and killed them all. Now, this was a negative, this was a negative story. But the word fell upon is the same word for intercession. It's the same word, pagah. So when we look at it in our context of intercession, that when we're interceding, what are we doing? We are falling upon our adversary. We are falling upon our adversary. Interceding, you're falling upon your adversary to bring God's will to pass on the earth. So just in these two definitions, we're seeing it's all about taking ground. It's about, it's about putting the enemy in his place to do what? To bring God's will to pass in the earth. And another, another definition is to light upon a certain place. What does that mean? Intercession is about bringing yourself or others into the place of God's design. And the fourth definition is to meet with a person, especially for conversation or consultation. Intercession, it's to meet with a person, especially for conversation and consultation. Isn't that interesting? 
to meet with a person. Now, this ties back into what I want to tie in, what I want to go in, out of intercession into this aspect of a key ingredient to effective prayer. It's to meet with a person. No, say that after me. To meet with a person, especially for conversation and consultation. You see, because it goes back into what that meaning of prayer is. It's about working with God. It's about the act of sharing one's heart. It's about partnership. It's about joint interest. It's an act of communion. It's an act of partnership. Now, this is what I want to tie into now. When you have relationship, you have a partnership. But in order for relationship to be successful, there needs to be this element. And it's the element of humility. A missing ingredient in prayer life is this issue of humility. You know, my relationship with my wife will rise and fall on my humility. You know, sometimes we, you know, you, we take this position and now this is this any relationship, your, your, your um, relationship in the workplace, your relationship with people that are under you and people that are over you. Every relationship is is only going to go to the ability of you being able to humble yourself, because I'm telling you, pride will get you fired in a minute. You're like, well, I'm not prideful. <laughs> I don't do a whole teaching on pride right now, but, but the thing is, is, you know, I remember having this, this boss and, and, um, and I had all these clients and, and I had this one, these, this one set of clients that it seemed like no matter what I did for them, it was never good enough. And they lived about 200 miles away. And from, we, we, we had, a, I had a huge route. It went from Virginia to Delaware to Maryland. And, and, and so it, it was, it was out in the middle of nowhere. And, and they said I'd forgot certain things, but I know I had taken those things there. And he said, now tomorrow on your route, you need to make sure that you go by such that and take this. I said, and where I was going, that was 70 miles out of my way. So, I mean, that's, that's another two hours on my day. And I, and I said, and I said, I said, I will not do that. And he said, he goes, he goes, number one, he said, you never tell me what you will not do. Now he goes, you can tell me what you prefer not to do, but you will never tell me what you will not do. And, and so what, what is that? I was in a place of pride because I was, I was telling what I wanted. And I'm telling you every relationship you know, rises and fall on this position for me to humble myself, to operate in humility, and, and it's vice versa. It's it's husbands uh, humbling to their to their to their spouse, and and vice versa. It's that same aspect of humility because every relationship, in order for it to succeed and go to its highest level, there has to be this aspect of humility. And so a lot of times you, you, you know, you wonder why things may continue to go wrong in your life and situations and relationships. A lot of it comes down to our ability to bring ourselves under a mission. 
to be submitted. And submitted is an aspect of just humility. And there's a lot of times we, you know, we could go into prayer and we can be praying all the right things, saying all the right things, but we're not open to receive what he has to say. Because remember, prayer is a, is a dialogue, not a monologue. Prayer is not just me shouting to God what I need. Prayer is about me coming and getting hooked up with him. It's about coming together and having a conversation. It's consultation, right? So let's go to Zephaniah chapter 2. Zephaniah. I know you read there a lot. I think if you go to Matthew and then go left four. I always remembered it was it was HZ HZ. It's like Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's HZ HZ. That's never mind. It's, it's just one to grow on, you know. You, I just know you wanted you just wanted to know that, didn't you? I'm going to read in the Amplified here, and I, I want you to see this principle. Verse three of chapter two. It says in the Amplified. It says, "Seek the Lord." Inquire for him, inquire of him and require him as your foremost necessity of your life. And he says, what all you humble of the land. Now, I love how that because then the Amplified explains it what the humble of the land are. All the humble of the land who have acted in compliance with his revealed will. And have kept his commandments, seek righteousness, seek humility Inquire them, require them as vital. So here he, he defines this word humble as those that operate and operate in, into the, I love it, it says the revealed will. See, you'll know you're humble when you operate according to his revealed will. See, a lot of times it's, it's bringing ourselves under, what does God have to say about this? What does that God desire about this situation? So humility is now now bringing myself in line with his will. Now, we have discovered in this in the series, this aspect of prayer anyway, that his his will is what? That men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. Let's go to second Chronicles chapter seven. Quite a bit of scripture here. Wednesday nights, kind of like Bible school. Hallelujah. I believe prayer and humility go hand in hand. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 12 and the Amplified says this. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven so no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name shall what? Shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For I've chosen and sanctified, set apart for holy use, 
this house, that my name may be here forever and that my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. Wow. In, the, in what place? In the place where the humble are. If my people who humble themselves and pray, humble themselves and pray. Let's go to Job chapter 22. Job 22. Thank you, Father, for the word. Thank you for a spirit of prayer in this house. Thank you, Father, for prayer, a heart of prayer. Thank you that we are a house of prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Go to verse 22. It says, receive, in the Amplified, it says, receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty and submit and humble yourself before him, you will be built up. I love that. If you, I love that. It says you submit and humble yourself before him, you will be built up. If you put away unrighteousness far from your tents, verse 24, if you lay gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brook, what does that mean? Considering them of little worth. Meaning, see, we look at gold as something that's valuable, right? It's a treasure. Silver and gold, it's a treasure. And he was saying, he was saying, if you lay the gold in the dust, in the stones in the brook, meaning, meaning you're, you're, you're treating something that's naturally valuable and you treat it as something that's just, just like a stone in the brook. Why? Because the verse 25 says, and you make the almighty your gold. And you make the almighty your gold. See, we, we look at natural things as the things that strengthen us or empower us or bring joy to our lives. And there's nothing wrong. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. But what he's dealing with here is, is that there needs to be a shift in your heart that you turn from taking the natural things as being valuable into where you look at God as being the gold. Do you see that? And make the almighty your gold and the Lord your precious silver treasure. Wow. I've never seen this scripture before. Not just, just meditating on that. And he was saying, you come to a place that, that, that humility in that life where, where, where you're so, you're, you're, you're so pursuing God that God is the most valuable thing. And the almighty is your gold and the Lord is your precious silver treasure. Verse 26. Then you will have delight in the almighty and you will lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. Meaning what? If you understand that God is the treasure, when you understand he's the most important thing, then you'll look up and you'll pray. See, humility and prayer go hand in hand together. See, if you think you got it all together, you won't pray. If you think you got it, you, you're, you're a great leader all on your own, then you're not going to pray. If you think you've got this, then you're not going to be a person of prayer. If you think you know better than God, then you're not going to be a person of prayer. So this aspect of prayer comes into this life of humility where I humble myself under his mighty hand. I humble myself. Why? He's my treasure. He's my goal. And because of that, I'm not looking to natural things to be my source, but I'm looking to God Almighty. He's my gold. He's my silver treasure. You see, a lot of times we look at, you know, you've heard verse 28 a lot. 
you know, decree a thing and it will be established. See, and we, we pull that scripture out, but understanding it's all from this position of humility. It's from this position that God is my source. Because it says this, it says, then you will have delight in the almighty and you'll lift up your face to God. That's prayer. You will make your prayer to him and he will hear you and, and, and you will pay your vows. Verse 28, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. When they make you low, you will say there is a lifting up in the humble person. He lifts up and saves. You see, it's not just saying, well, I decree a thing and it's established. Not without God, you don't. You see, it's in this position of prayer that when I decree a thing, he's the one that lifts it up. He's the one that brings salvation. But what? It takes my words. It takes my words. I decree a thing and it's established. But what? It, it has to first off come. To, it's not from a position of pride. Hey, well, I decree a thing and it's established. No, it's this position of humility. That when I speak, God does something. Hallelujah. Verse 29 again. When they make you low, you will say, there's a lifting up. And the humble person, he lifts up up and saves. He will even deliver the one from whom you intercede, who is not innocent. Yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Wow. 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 Man, that, that, that through your humility and through the things that come out of your mouth, I'm telling you, you have the ability to set other people free. Wow. But it's all in this position of humility. Humility and prayer go hand in hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You can see this in Psalms 9, verse 12. It says he doesn't forget the cry of the humble. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 10, verse 17 says he's heard the desire of the humble. Hallelujah. So humility comes down to relying upon God. Thank you, Father. The very act of humility is about approaching God. Not, be, not just with words to speak, but ears to listen. Hallelujah. As you pray, see it as you getting into covenant with God. See it as partnership. Prayer is a place of humility because you're bringing God into the situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The act of humility is relying on the strength of another. The act of humility is relying on the strength of another. Hallelujah. So it goes back to even that marriage relationship. I have to rely upon the strength of my wife. And sometimes, and sometimes I don't listen. <laughs> but we, we, we have to lie upon, rely upon the, the strength of each other. But that takes humility. But also, it's like I said, it's just with any partnership. If prayer is a partnership with God. Then, then it, 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 it resides on this aspect that, that we humble ourselves and saying, God, I'm working with you. I need your, I need your, I need you, I need your wisdom in this situation. I need your direction in this situation. Thank you, Father. 
relying on the strength of another. I, thinking about this, I think of Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I think of the story of Jehoshaphat. And when all the armies were surrounding about him. You know, he could have said, hey, I'm Jehoshaphat, I'm king. And we're God's people. But you know, that, that, that attitude didn't work so good for Joshua. You know, I mean, we, we often talk about the great victory that happened with Jericho. And we talk about how, how they, they, they took all the spoils of Jericho and how they conquered Jericho and how through them praising God and, and doing what God told them to do, how, how the walls fell flat. But all of a sudden they come across this next city, Ai. And it was kind of this attitude is like, we got this, we got this. We got, if we got Jericho, hey, AI is nothing. But yet they were defeated over someone a lot weaker, a lot, lot smaller, a lot, uh, uh, didn't have a covenant with God. And so Jehoshaphat, he, he, he calls a fast. That's humility. Why? Because they needed instruction. They're surrounded by all these armies. And, and yet in Second in Chronicles, verse 12, he makes a statement. He says, Lord, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. You see, it's humility. Humility. This has to be go hand, a key to an effective prayer life is this place in this position of humility. Humility is a position that we take. Humility is also a position of authority. Because if you can't operate under submission, you'll never, never operate in, if you never operate, if you, if you never operate under authority, you'll never operate in true authority. So, uh, so this humility is a position that we take. It's a position that we take. You know, I mean, if we even take it back and it's operating in the revealed will of God. So if I'm operating in humility, then also I can, I can, I can speak to mountains and they can remove. Why? Because the revealed will said I could. You know, you know, operating in the revealed will of God, you know, uh, being broke is not being humble. It's not because the revealed will says that he, the blessing will come on you and make you rich and add no sorrow to it. You know, it's like humility is, a, is I mean, poverty isn't a mark of humility. It's, 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 it's a position that we choose to put ourselves under the word of God. That's what humility is. There's a lot of people I've come across that they're proud of their poverty. I'm just bearing my cross. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing that. And no, that's not. No, that's not humility. Humility is I'm bringing myself under what God's word says. I'm bringing myself under how God's kingdom operates. I'm bringing myself under his promises. I'm bringing myself under what he says about me. So, so this humility in prayer, this, this humility in prayer is the position that we take 
to bring about the will of God, to, to go past the borders that have been set for us, to fall upon our adversary, to bring the will of God to pass. It takes humility, humility. But Jehoshaphat, I, I don't know what to do, but what? My eyes are on you. And you know what? He was waiting for an answer. He didn't just get up and just make something happen. He just didn't get up and, 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 and just, okay, what am I supposed to do? 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 No, he was waiting. He was waiting. And then what? That God spoke to a prophet and said, this is this, 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 this. And then what had to do? He had to humble himself and do this, 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 and this. So this relationship with God is all about humility. This life of prayer is about humility. You know, even in Jesus's prayer, he says, what? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What father? It's just this position of I'm requiring you in my life. I'm requiring your assistance. I'm requiring your perspective. I'm requiring it that our father who art in heaven is a phrase of humility. It's a phrase of, I need you. I require you. Thank you, father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, father. Thank you, father. The last thing I want to talk about humility is a key to walking in greater, the greater that God has. Go to Matthew 23. I just got two, two scriptures and close. Thank you, Father. Matthew chapter 23. Oh, thank you, Father. Verse, thank you, Father. Let's do verse 11. It says, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Amen. It goes back to this. It, it, it's, it's relationship. And if we look at this, it's, it, we're seeing a relationship here. And if you go on, he, he talks about other things before this, but... But really, it's, it's relationship, master and servant, servant and leader. And so, so you have to see, sometimes you have to read between the lines in the word to see what, what he's saying here. He who is greatest among you is servant of all. So if there, if there is a servant, then there has to be other people in the room, right? If I want to be the greatest, then I have to be the servant of all. So that means if that is going to take, it's going to take humility to do that. See, if I, I want to be a greater husband, then I need to be servant of Annette. Not a whole lot of amens. A lot of, see, la, see Mary Lady should be saying, amen, pastor. Amen. But in vice versa for, for the, you know, as, as, as a wife, you, if you want to be greater, you need to be the greatest servant. No amens on that one either. 
and, and so, so relationship, you know, bleeds into every, everything that we do. And so, so often we look at this word as some, some sort of, it's just an individualistic thing, me and God. And, and that's true. But, but the aspect of, of, you know, it's, it's relationship with God. It's, it's me coming under what God desires, what his will is and what his plan is. So he who is the greatest among you, let him be servant of all. The verse 12 says, whoever exalts himself with haughtiness and empty pride shall be humbled and brought low. And whoever humbles himself, whoever has a modest opinion of self and behaves accordingly, shall be raised to honor. I mean, a life of humility is going to bring me up. Now, let me close with this. Let's go to first um, Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. Verse five. Thank you, Father. So prayer is putting yourself in a place of humility so God can exalt you and increase your life. Yes, Pastor needs to turn his phone off. says, likewise, you younger, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may, that he may exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Now... Now, if we, if we look at that, this just as casting all your care upon you for he cares for you, then we see, we see it as just an instruction, and that's fine. But if I'm casting my care upon him, then it's prayer. Right? It, it's, I mean, in order for me to cast my care, then there, it has to be an aspect of prayer. So, so humbling myself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt me in due time. So what? Casting all my care upon him for he cares for me. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Who resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions were accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who had called us Unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while. Now, a lot of times people have made a doctrine on this phrase that you have suffered a while. But if I'm telling you, if you look this up, if you look this up in the Greek, it means a brief moment. It means a brief moment. 
It's almost like when Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, he talked about, he, he talked about that. He goes, this momentary light affliction is but for a moment. And, and so what he's referring to, it's not talking about this long, drawn out season of suffering. What he's referring to here is the moment that you're experiencing affliction, the grace of God kicks in. The moment, the brief moment that you're experiencing um, effect, the moment that you're experiencing a, a, a setback, the moment that you're experiencing a report, the moment that happens, the grace of God goes into operation. See, the, the enemy goes about as a roaring, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it says, resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren and the world. Meaning what you're going through is no different than what other people have faced. But what? But the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered while what make you perfect, establish and strengthen and settle to settle you. Meaning that when I humble myself, I cast all the care upon him. See, when you experience a negative thing, a lot of times, a lot of times your mind is going to go all over the place. Your mind is going to run all over the place. The what ifs, what have you're going to Google this. You're going to Google that. Everything is going to consume you. It's going to cause your heart rate to go up. It's going to cause your adrenaline. It's going to cause all sorts of fears. Everything's going to be running into you. But what happened is, is why we have to humble ourselves. Meaning is, okay, I've got to get a hold of this and I've got to bring myself under the answer. I've got to bring myself. And how do I humble myself? By casting all my care upon him. See, if I'm carrying the care, then that's pride. If I'm carrying the work, then it's pride. If I'm carrying the outcome, then it's pride. So when I cast all my care upon him, that's my position of humility. And why? If I'm carrying it, if I'm holding on to it, then the grace of God can't work on my behalf. See, see, it's hard for me to lay hold of the grace of God if I'm holding on to the affliction. And I'm holding on to the problem. And I'm holding on to the issue. So what we have to do is we have to, through humility, get hooked up with the answer. Get hooked up with the God of all grace. Get hooked up, be in partnership with the one that does impossible things. Get hooked up with the one whom all things are possible to him that believes. Get hooked up with the one. Get hooked up with the one that heals the blind. Get hooked up with the one that is the provider. Get hooked up with the one. And so then I, that's why prayer is humility, because it's I have to humble myself and get under the answer. Get under the one that has the answer. Why? Because when I get under the one that has all the answer, the God of all grace, it says that the moment that that momentary affliction, the moment that this suffering affects me, it says that what he'll strengthen me. I love that. It says he'll make you perfect. He'll make you perfect. Man, that sounds like peace. He'll make you perfect. Wow. He'll make you perfect. Thank you, Father. He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. And he'll settle you. So when I humble myself in prayer, what's going to happen is 
He's going to make me perfect. He's going to establish me. He's going to strengthen me. And he's going to settle me. Thank you, Father. Then it closes with this. And this end says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. To him be dominion. To him be dominion. Not what you're going through being in dominion. To him be dominion. To him be dominion. See, if, something, if someone is, has dominion, I mean, there's nothing above him. To him be dominion. So when I humble myself under him, <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> that is above him. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So be it. <laughs> to him be dominion. To him be dominion. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The Amplified in that verse 11 says, actually, let's read verse 10 and uh, 11 in the Amplified. It says, and after you've suffered a while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. Establish and ground you and securely and strengthen and settle you. To him be dominion, power, authority, rule forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Wow. Amen. You receive this word tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, we bring ourselves under your word tonight. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. We cast every care upon you tonight. Just right now, right where you are, cast every care upon him. What's causing you anxiety? Cast that care upon him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There's been a care or a weight upon you. In any way. Thank you, Father. It's, it's, it's caused your blood pressure to go up. It's caused you to have sleepless nights. If that's you in any way, I, I want you, I want you to go and stand in the aisle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Stand in the aisle. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever you're facing, God has dominion over it. There's power over it, authority over it, rule over it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Eric and Joseph, 
I want you to lay hands on, uh, on, the, on the men. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Jenny and Annette, I want, you to, I want you to lay hands on the ladies. Charlene, I want you to go lay hands on the lady, that the last lady in the turquoise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As they pray for you, hallelujah, they're, they're releasing their dominion that's on the inside of them. Hallelujah. How, while they're praying for you, so, so, some of you, there could be, there might be wisdom. There's wisdom. Wisdom's a principal thing. Sometimes, sometimes we look for miracles. Sometimes we look for those things and we're, we welcome miracles, so, financial miracles and those things. But sometimes there, there needs to be some adjustment, adjustments that need to be made. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for dominion and authority. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That you're making them what they ought to be. Hallelujah. Establish them. Settling them. Strengthening them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Church, I want you to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We don't know what each one of them has need of, but God does. God does. Just as we, we learned about corporate prayer, you can do corporate prayer in the same way. You're, you're hooking your agreement up with them. Hallelujah. Be praying in the Holy Ghost for them. Hallelujah. Add your agreement. Add your faith to that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We take authority over every, we take dominion. Hallelujah. We take, we stand in our authority over every demonic force, every demonic power, over every sickness and disease. Hallelujah. I thank you that dominion is working over Nikki right now. Dominion and authority is working over Nikki right now. Hallelujah. Dominion authority is working over Tasha right now. Dominion and authority is working over, over the Jones family. Dominion and authority. Hallelujah. Is working, is working, is working. Hallelujah. Over the Jingreco family right now. Dominion and authority. Dominion and authority. Hallelujah. Every sickness, disease, you have to go. You have to obey us. We have humble, our, we operate under authority. We operate in humility. Hallelujah. We operate. And when we decree a thing, it is established. Hallelujah. I thank you that we turn our face towards you, God. And we decree that, that healing reigns over every family here. Hallelujah. Healing reigns over every family. Rest, divine health reigns over every family in this church. Hallelujah. We have dominion and we have authority forever and ever. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Someone here, your hand has been really sore to move in and out like this. Hallelujah. Just start doing that. That was you. That's you. Just start doing that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. That every tendon, every ligament within your hand loosens up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. Mm. Oh, you see this word tonight? Well, give him a shout of praise. Amen. Joseph, come on up. Hallelujah.